After being stuck in the dark ages of advertising, LinkedIn now lets you run remarketing ads on their network. I talk about the all new LinkedIn remarketing options and best practice tips and tricks. Also, what is marketing automation really? And how do you know if your business is ready for it? Plus, I share my favorite marketing automation workflows that you can take advantage of yourself. All that and a whole lot more in this episode of Inbound Buzz. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital and inbound marketing. Brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. Welcome to another episode of Inbound Buzz. I'm your host, Moby Sadiq, and thanks for joining me for episode number 63. As always, I hope you're well, and I hope you're positive wherever you're tuning into the show. Now, let's start with some fresh LinkedIn news. The world of remarketing has finally arrived at LinkedIn. Yes, you can now run remarketing ads on LinkedIn to people who have previously visited your website. Just as you've been able to do on Google Display and and Facebook for a number of years now, you can now do the same on LinkedIn. As of April the 24th, LinkedIn has rolled out their own version called Matched Audiences, which allows you to remarket on LinkedIn in three key ways. Firstly is website remarketing, right? Or retargeting. Let me give you an example. Say someone visits my HubSpot pricing page or my HubSpot services page on my particular website. I can now set up an ad or a sponsored post that they will see when they visit LinkedIn. I could remarket to them with a tailored piece of content. So for example, five things you need to consider before you buy HubSpot, uh, an ebook, an article, whatever I want. Right, So that's the first way. The second way is CRM integration. Now this is really, really interesting and it's the foundation of what will be a very advanced way to use LinkedIn remarketing. Now there's good news and bad news. The good news is you can automatically integrate a CRM system, create segmented lists and automatically target people in those particular lists. This is cool because you could have lists uh, for different products or services right? Different stages in the buying cycle and automatically target these people with useful content ads and more on useful ads in a second. And all of this would be automatic. You wouldn't have to export your database, import manually into LinkedIn and say, okay, I want to target this particular list with this particular content. Now, the bad news is, is currently you can only automatically integrate with Marketo, Eloqua or LiveRamp. Only these three currently have a native integration, which is great news if you are on those systems, but not so great if you're running HubSpot CRM or some other platform out there. Now, if you aren't on those platforms, then never fear. You can also upload an email export of your database, upload a CSV like a 2010 caveman, exactly like you would with Facebook custom audiences or Google's custom match. So just like custom audiences, LinkedIn will then attempt to match your email addresses with the email addresses of the people on their network. So say you export your database, and if you're in the B2B world, chances are you are going to have a high hit rate in matching your email addresses on LinkedIn. And here is where I'm really excited. If you are in the B2B space or an industry where you need to target professionals, then nothing will beat LinkedIn in terms of targeting job roles or titles. Also consider this. Unlike Facebook where your ad is stuffed between memes and photos, people on LinkedIn are in a professional context. They are looking for things to educate them or inform them about areas in their industry. 
They also tend to engage, share, and like a with a piece of content that makes them look or feel better in the industry they operate in. That's why people often share things and like things that may not click certain bits of content, and that's a completely different objective altogether. But they will like or share it just so they look good or they feel like they are participating in the industry. Which brings me to the types of quote-unquote ads you should be running on LinkedIn. I mentioned in my example before, say somebody visits my HubSpot page, right? A pricing page or a contact page or a content page specifically related to HubSpot. I could serve them with my five things you need to consider before buying HubSpot ebook, which is designed to move them further down their buyer's journey. So they've arrived on my website, they've gone on to LinkedIn, they're in a professional context, I should serve them something that moves them down their decision-making process. So my advice would be, if LinkedIn is the place where your audience is, look to your most commercial pages on your site. So by commercial pages, I mean service pages, product pages, um, checkout pages, you know, frequently asked questions. Then look to promote content that educates, informs, or inspires them on LinkedIn. Think of things that will help them solve a problem or make them look or feel good or feel empowered in a professional capacity. Now, in terms of how you get started with LinkedIn matched ads, I want to give a bit of a tip here. So this is the thing, right? With all these platforms, forget LinkedIn for a second, you know, with Google and Facebook and, you know, Hotjar, any tool under the sun, any, any tool that I talk about any other given week, you have to install some bit of code, right? You've got to go into the back end of your site and install a bit of code. Now, over time, that can get pretty messy because you can get code over code, you can get outdated codes, you can get false positives, and it sounds terrible because you wouldn't know what to do if something broke. You might not even know something did break. So here, a bit of a kind of side note, side tip is install Google Tag Manager. Now, you might need a coder once, but that's it, only once. How it works is you install Google Tag Manager, which is linked to dozens and dozens of services. It's essentially like the, I guess, the gateway to all these other codes and pixels and stuff you could install on your site. So let me give you an example. I've, I've already got Google Tag Manager on my website. Now, I don't need to go into the back end of my code or speak to my developer and say, hey, developer, here is the new LinkedIn Insights code I need you to put on my website so I can do LinkedIn remarketing ads. I wouldn't need to do that. Because I have Google Tag Manager, I would just go into Tag Manager, I would select on uh, New Tag, I would select LinkedIn, and I would click Deploy, and it would do it all for me automatically because I installed Tag Manager once. Now, if you have Google Tag Manager, I'll share in the show notes how you can deploy the new LinkedIn Insights code. And it's one of those things, either you ask your developer to do Google Tag Manager for you once, or you get them for the rest of your natural born life to install a bit of code every time you need to deploy a new system or a new tool or something. Okay, on to our next buzz. Before I get onto our featured buzz around workflows, what they are and some of my favorites, I wanted to first talk about marketing automation and really peel back what is marketing automation? You know, people, it's one of those terms people use really loosely. It's a bit of an umbrella term for anything that automates marketing. And I think it's important to know what it is and what problems it solves so you know whether you're in a good position to deploy marketing automation and be ready for it in your own business. Or if you already have marketing automation and it's just not solving the problems you thought it was, uh, maybe this will share a bit of insight into why that's happening. Let's first talk about the definition before we get onto the role of marketing automation. 
Believe it or not, there really isn't a good comprehensive definition about what marketing automation is, and it's probably because of what I mentioned before. It's a bit of an umbrella term. But in my mind, true marketing automation does three things and three things very, very well. Firstly, it automates marketing activity based on user-triggered behavior. So emails, for instance, you know, a very, very simple version of user-triggered behavior would be somebody adds a product to their cart and they don't check out, they leave your website. So that user should trigger, or that particular behavior should trigger some sort of workflow where they get an email that says, hey, you left something behind, do you want to complete your order? It could be something as simple as, and this is an example I give later, somebody comes back to your website after not visiting your website for three months. You know, maybe they get an email that says, hey, it's been a while, can we help you? Do you have any questions? But it's not only emails, it could be smart content as well. And this is another feature of marketing automation. So for instance, you visit my website, you've subscribed, I've got your email address, and maybe I also have your name. You come back to my website and I say something like, hey, Tony, or hey, Lisa, great to see you again. Um, or I could give you a call to action because I know you filled out a landing, uh, an ebook for content marketing, for instance. Maybe you get a different call to action on um, the homepage, it might say, you know, here are five content marketing case studies you need to read or get on top of, something like that. So that's the first thing. It, marketing automation automates marketing activity based on user-triggered behavior. The second key thing marketing automation does is it bubbles the warmest leads to the top of your list. Now, this is a great one for sales reps and first time a traditional salesperson sees this, they just lose their mind. And let me give you a, an example. Someone who visits your website once and fills out your contact page once is not as warm or commercially important to you as someone who's filled out your contact page, they have visited your pricing page, they've visited your website four times, they've gone and checked out your case studies. That second person is arguably a lot more important and valuable to you than that person who just visited once and contacted you once. So that's what marketing automation also helps you with. It helps determine for a sales rep or for a person in the business, what are the most warmest leads? What are the most commercially driven leads? The third thing a good marketing automation suite will have is a complementary toolkit. And this is one of the key reasons why you would buy marketing automation. So you don't need to buy a separate landing page creator, a separate email platform, a lead capture pop-up tool. A tool like HubSpot will have all of those. Now, one of the things I'm often asked um, is what is the difference between HubSpot and say MailChimp? Well, the difference is HubSpot has a MailChimp inside of it, embedded inside of it. So it can send out all the emails that it needs to both internal and external. Then you've got a lot of other bells and whistles that a lot of all-in-one platforms like HubSpot have. Now these extra features, they don't make, in my mind, marketing automation, marketing automation, but they're extra marketing tools that you can use. So for instance, HubSpot has a blogging platform. You can create your blogs under a subdomain. So for instance, blog.yourwebsite.com. You can do that with HubSpot. Um, other tools will include social media management tools or basic SEO tools. Now, marketing automation often fails because the expectation of marketing automation and what it's supposed to do isn't always realistic. And often you'll find businesses have jumped into it too prematurely. HubSpot has a great page on marketing automation where they talk about the ideal marketing automation scenario, where a lot of businesses think that by installing marketing automation, 
that'll allow them to sell like Amazon, right? With highly, highly personalized messages and automated content. They then compare that to the reality where businesses will buy lists or upload every list that they've had since, you know, 1990 and throw that into the marketing automation suite and try to nurture it, which really doesn't show the true ROI of marketing automation and the power of it. I've personally firsthand seen businesses who've purchased HubSpot specifically and then struggled with it and then blamed the platform, where really they didn't have an inbound strategy in place. And let me elaborate on that. They didn't understand the buyer's journey. They didn't create the right top of funnel content or middle of funnel content that would allow HubSpot to nurture those leads through that journey and then onto the sales team. So good marketing automation only works with solid inbound marketing. HubSpot aptly calls it inbound marketing automation. And if you're very new to inbound marketing or marketing automation, you're going to be surprised at how much work inbound marketing truly does take. To truly get ROI out of marketing automation, you understand your buyer's journey. You know for every product or service you sell, what is the very first term your persona punches into Google? And it's not laser eye surgery Boston, for example. It's more likely something very top of funnel, like is the computer damaging my eyes? Or how much does an eye test cost? They're not even thinking about that service yet. They don't know that they need that product or service. But even going back a step, if you don't have your personas formally defined, and I say formally, not in your head, actually written down or printed somewhere, if you haven't done that with all their pain points and all their real world quotes that you've grabbed from your sales team or you've grabbed from forums or or YouTube comments or whatever, then you're likely not getting the best out of HubSpot marketing automation or even inbound marketing for that matter. So to cap this buzz off, to be ready for marketing automation, you need to have the time, resource and and or money commitment really to create content and emails which will truly be the fuel for your marketing automation fire. Okay, on to the featured buzz and one of my most favorite topics when I discuss marketing automation. Now hopefully that was a good precursor to what I'm going to talk about now which is workflows because the first time you you hear about workflows it does take your mind to get your head around it but hopefully I've done a good job of setting it up. Now let's first talk about what workflows are. Well, workflows are one of the staples of marketing automation. They're one of the most powerful and important features of marketing automation. And according to HubSpot, a workflow is an automated set of marketing actions that executes based on a starting condition. You can use workflows to automate your lead nurturing tasks. So say, for example, send a behavior triggered email, like I mentioned before, or complete internal functions. For example, set a task for someone to contact a particular prospect on this date. There is also branching logic, yes and no statements. So for instance, if the prospect has visited the pricing page, send them this. If they visited just the about page, send them that. And I'd like to break workflows down into two categories. The first category is system, right? This is not the sexy stuff yet. This is not all the, the automated workflows. There's, these are system workflows. And sometimes this is useful for reporting. So for example, our clients, when a new lead comes into the system, say through a contact form, the lead status is new, right? It's a new contact, they've just entered the system, they've come themselves, the lead status is new. But the moment a human makes contact with them, so they either email them for you know, an actual email, not an automated email, or they pick up the phone and call them, the lead status automatically changes from new to in progress. That tells us that yes, the difference is that the in progress ones 
they have had a human start a conversation or reach out. Now this is great for reporting because we can see how many leads are at different stages and it's also good because it can create other workflows as well. So for example, we might say for all the new customers who haven't been contacted in 48 hours, number one, send the sales rep, you know, a little kick up the bum to say, look, you need to contact these people. But two, maybe send that prospect another offer. So system workflows, any type of workflows that on the system side, for instance, on the HubSpot side, they change contact properties or they change statuses They make reporting a lot simpler or they set up other workflows. The second type of category is business workflows. And these are the sexy workflows. These are where your autoresponders come in and these are the ones that send sales reps tasks to follow up. And here I want to list my top, let's say, okay, my top seven favorite workflows at the moment. Now in a couple of months time, I'm sure some of these will change, but a core group of these will never change. And these are some of the workflows that we will either, when we audit a client or we have a new HubSpot client, we make sure they have some of these workflows in place. The first one is very, very simple, and that's the contact autoresponder workflow. Half the time you find that the contacts form don't even have an autoresponder. So there's nothing that goes back to the customer that says, hey, thank you for inquiring. We'll come back to you with ABCD. And of those half that we've found, another half are probably very underly optimized. Like they're often very, very plain text and they look like very system generated emails. So this is where you, obviously someone fills out a form. We will set up workflows that say, okay, cool. Thank you so much for contacting us. Someone will get back to you in X time. And here is where you can take it up a notch. You might list sort of three dot points on how you can help the customer. And I've also seen really creative executions where we've actually put the why us video uh, in the actual email as well. Just a bit of a, I guess, primer for the customer so they know who they're dealing with. So that's one. The second type is topic education track workflows. Ugh. So what that means is if prospects show interest in certain topics or information, you can move them into an education track about a particular product or service. So I'll continue with the example I've already been using. Somebody visits my HubSpot pricing page. We've got a free HubSpot pricing calculator where they have to give their email address to download. So once they've done that, I can now track them on my entire website as well as of course, send them tracked emails. So once they take that calculator and they've downloaded it, I might send them in a couple of days an automated email that says um, how long until typical customers start seeing results in HubSpot. And then maybe another one after a couple of days as well. You should do this for every single ebook that you have. Keep that in mind. So if an ebook will be focused around a particular topic, you should have a workflow around it that sends them drip fed pieces of information. Maybe there are a few key points from that ebook that they've downloaded that push them down that decision making journey. You can see if you did this for every topic, how much effort it would take. So my suggestion would be start somewhere and kill two birds with one stone. So the content that you use for your education tracks in your emails should be the same content that you use in blogs. And you might actually set up a track that way where they express interest in a particular topic. You send them a link to an article so you can do it that way as well. The third type of workflow is also a basic one and that's for newsletters. So you give them a warm welcome and that's definitely better than not giving them anything. Thank them for subscribing and remind them again why they've subscribed and the value you'll be offering them. Here you can also offer more mid of funnel or bottom of funnel call to actions in your emails that don't need to be overly salesy, but they could be little banners or little links that you include in your newsletters 
And the idea is if they click on that call to action, it might have something to do with the topic, might have something to do with your products or services, that drops them into an education track, the one that I mentioned before, or a sales track. So you can use that as, I guess, a steady stream of content to engage with your audience. Fourth one is do not answer workflows. This is one of my favorites and it's, it has saved our clients scores and scores of sales. How it works is this. This works particularly well in an environment where you have to call your prospects. So the sales rep calls a prospect once and they don't answer. So in the HubSpot, we mark them as did not answer first time. They might call them again after three days. And mind you, this is all automated. They call them once, then they, they mark down in HubSpot, call, did not answer. The system automatically sends that person an email from that sales rep with that sales rep signature. And this is all automated, mind you. It's all templated. And it says something like, you know, hey, Sally, we tried to contact you. Sorry, we couldn't get through. Uh, here are my contact details. And by the way, this is some information. Could be something very as simple as that. It sends them, the sales rep, a task to contact that person again in three days or a couple of days time, whatever that might be. The sales rep contacts and they say, okay, second time, we couldn't contact them, they didn't answer. It will send them another email, which is again templated. The third time they try and they don't answer, what happens is the sales rep again marks it in HubSpot and it sends off a breakup sequence. So it might say something like, it looks like you're, you know, we can't help you right now, or you've got everything sorted. Um, so we don't close your file or the information we've gathered, please call me back. Now that's sort of just off the top of my head. The breakup email, how hard you go or how soft you go is obviously going to depend on your particular industry. So that one, that one of my favorites. The fifth one is the evangelist review workflow. Now often we will find that clients should have a lot more reviews than they do. And that's simply because, you know, who has time to say to a good customer, hey, you know, review us, you know, like go off and review us on Google or TripAdvisor or whatever. We don't have time. It's often something that's out of mind, right? But doing this, putting in a workflow over the course of a couple of months or a year could be supremely powerful for you for your social proof. So one of the, the objections we will often get is, look, we don't want to put up a a list of instructions on how people can review us because negative customers or you know irate customers might find an easier avenue to review us. Fair enough. But this is where workflows come into it. Now, in your marketing automation tool or HubSpot, you could have a, a contact property that says evangelist. Now, this is for customers who love you, right? Everyone has those customers where they get along with so well and they become raving fans, but they don't do anything about it. So if someone is like that, all you have to do is create a bit of an education piece internally, or you do this yourself, and you say, okay, cool, if we have customers like that, we will mark them in our marketing automation software or our CRM as evangelists. These are people who simply love us. They will do anything for us. The workflow, if it's set properly, the moment you trickle, you trigger them as evangelists, they will get an automated email that says, we love your business. If you have a moment, please take time to review us on Google or TripAdvisor or any other industry review site that's important for you. Again, this adds up over time and it will be fantastic for social proof. And as far as Google reviews go, the more Google reviews you have, the more positive ones you have, the better it's going to be for your SEO as well. Okay, quickly moving along, my last couple. My sixth favorite workflow is the return contact workflow. Sometimes you'll get a customer who's engaged with you and 
they go missing for three months or six months and they've just gone and then all of a sudden they come back. This workflow takes advantage of that. You've got their email address already, HubSpot or your marketing automation tool realizes they've visited your website. It's been such a long passage of time where they've been contacted. It sends them an automated email that says, hey, it's been a while, can we help you? Half of marketing automation's battle is to be at the right place at the right time. And this is one of those workflows that does that. Last but certainly not least, my seventh favorite workflow is the lead score internal email. Now, the whole idea of lead scoring is to identify what makes a customer, like what are the key factors, the key behaviors that result into someone who is very, very warm. And then you assign a number to that. You might say someone who hits a lead score of 100 or 120, whatever it is, is someone who is super warm, is someone we need to get on top of. So there are a number of ways where you can get to that score. And one of those is via having certain bits of information. So for instance, if you have someone's phone number, email, company, budget, they've subscribed yes to your blog, all these things can be worth something. You might say, look, if we have their budget, that is a score of 30. If they visit our quote page, that is a score of 20. So there are certain bits of information you can figure out that yes, this means something to us. The second most important factor of what should define your lead scoring is data. Turn to your data. Once you have a good marketing automation suite installed, you can run attribution reports around your customers. So you can export all your customers and you can see what behaviors they took. What were commonalities? What content did they consume? How many times did they visit your website? How many times were they contacted? What sources were overwhelmingly more powerful? So you can look for these you know, dominant themes, these correlations, the causations, and then turn those into positive or negative attributes. You might say, you know what, everyone who downloaded this ebook ended, ended up having a very, very high percentage of converting. We're going to assign a score of 30 to this particular ebook. But then you also might find negative attributes. You might say, you know what, if someone, we are in a, a local business, and if someone is 40 or 50 kilometers away from us, they always end up being bad customers. We can't service them. We're going to put a negative score of 20 or 30, whatever it might be. The tip I will give you is you're going to look at this. You're going to jump in and you're going to get overwhelmed, right? That's not the tip. But the tip is starting, right? Just start because it's not going to be perfect. You're going to define it once and that is going to be your ground to move around. It's not going to be perfect and it's not supposed to be. So once you get started, you can't really break this thing. Learn, grow, evolve your lead scoring and you'll get to a pretty good place pretty quickly. So there's honestly an infinite number of workflows you could run and if you're running all seven that I've mentioned, then you're probably doing pretty good indeed. On that note, I'll bid you farewell. Hopefully I haven't fried anyone's brain too much and you've learned something from that episode. If you have any questions or comments, you know where to reach me at Moby Sadiq on Twitter or via email moby at redpandas.com.au. And if you want to check out the show notes to any of the news releases or any of the content that I've referenced, you can get these show notes at redpandas.com.au forward slash EP63. I hope you have a fantastic week ahead and I'll join you again for another episode of Inbound Buzz. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.